All right, you football-loving maniacs, time for another episode of Three Honest Lads. Took a little bit of a hiatus since our last episode, but we are back. We're not better than ever. We're just probably the same as you saw. Devin is a little bit older because we are recording on his 36th birthday. Yes, I just threw one. In the I don't really. Yeah, baby. Oh, get it. Oh, get it. Oh, 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 who wants them? You want them? You got it. 36 and you like it. You like that? You like that? You done? Yeah, I'm done. Go ahead. Do, do, do your thing. I'm done. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go get a beer. Yeah, go ahead. Go get a beer. Do you, but you can do whatever you want. It's your birthday. It's your birthday. You'll fart if you want to. No, but we had a, we had, we had a great weekend. Of course, um, you know, I think all of us are, are still a little bit, um, shell shocked by the news of Kobe Bryant passing away at the, at the young, young age of 41, um, along with his, uh, his teenage daughter, Gianna, um, just tragic news. And of course, our thoughts and prayers go out to the other seven members of that helicopter flight that went down in Calabasas, um, on, on Sunday morning. But really horrific news, um, just sort of, you know, makes you not that something like that should put things into, put things into perspective, but for some reason it always does. And, you know, the, the outpouring love from the sports and just the, the world, uh, the sports community and the world community has been pretty incredible. And it just goes to show. Um, the amount of respect that people had for Kobe Bryant and, um, Devin and I found out while we were celebrating his birthday on Sunday, um, in Fort Lauderdale Beach. And it, it definitely shook us up. It didn't, you know, hinder us from having a good time and enjoying life, but it certainly, um, you know, made us think and, and, and talk about things for a second because it, it, it you know, you, you just want to go and hug somebody. And Devin as a, as a father soon to be, I'm sure, I'm sure it hits home a little bit. I know your wife Casey was definitely shaken up by the news, especially the fact that Gianna was on board. Um, but again, our, our thoughts and prayers continue to go out to Vanessa, um, the entire Bryant family and, and of course, all those other victims that were involved on a, on a helicopter crash. But, you know, Dev, I, I know that it was something that you and I discussed. I don't want to harp on it too much. It, it, it seems to be the only thing that's on TV besides, uh, the impeachment trials, honestly, it's, it's a break from the impeachment trials. Not that we wanted wanted this to happen, but um, just the amount of love and respect that's been shown for Kobe has been pretty uh, pretty somber, but pretty profound as well over these past couple of days. It's been difficult, right? Um, I think I think every person has people in their lives that are, that touch them in certain ways, and Kobe Bryant seems to be someone who has kind of transcended that for everyone, right? Um, not that that's a surprise, but a guy who bridged the generational gap because of his talent level and did it for so long, came in so early. You know, he was one of the ones in the last crop with, with KG and some of the other boys that came in that could do it straight out of high school. Um, obviously, we don't allow that anymore. Um, I think you said it really well. There have been multiple times in my life where sports figures, or I should just say figures in general that have passed away way too young, one that kind of hit me a little bit hard um, I will say not as this was, it hit me harder because of the relationship with my dad. Um, it was Payne Stewart and, and the jet that he was on, um, late nineties, early two thousands. I remember it was my sophomore year of high school. I can't remember if it was 99 or 2000 when, when he passed. Um, I remember the news came in and my dad and I shared a special bond with golf and, you know, much like you did with, with basketball. And, and I think that, it does put things into perspective and we should do that. Unfortunately, it takes situations like this. It shouldn't. But as I've gotten older, you know, I've noticed that, I mean, I've had this conversation with you about people and about things and, you know, bottom line, I'll just say, I don't have time for that crap, you know, and, and life is bigger than that. And I try and keep that perspective there, but every now and then we're reminded of it and be nice. You know, as much as Tyler and I joke around of, 
<laughs> the hatred or frustration with people, a lot of it is an act and antics here and there. And, and we are caring and kind people. And we all need to be that to the random Joe Schmoe down the street and just, you know, branch yourself out a little further because you honestly don't know when this could end. You don't know how quick this world can go. And every single time that I see my wife, I, I tell her I love her and I don't know when I'm going to see her again, especially Ty, when you and I are traveling so much, it's you're on planes, you're in hotels, you're in cabs. You don't know that life moves so fast. It's cliche, but stop, smell the roses, have a beer with a friend, tell them you love them. Tell multiple people you love them. Say hello. Open the door for someone. Pat someone on the back. Shake their hand. Look someone in the eye. All of this stuff can help push society to a better place. And that's where we need to be. And that's where Kobe Bryant took people. I was actually taken back about how much positivity came out of him. And seeing stuff on, on TV about who he was as a player and from teammates, that's one thing. But when you hear people that have met him two, three times, and you're hearing the same story coming out of camps with people that are best friends with him, that's when you know they're a good person. That's when you know it's not yeah. an act for TV or that it's just something they're trying to do to push the ratings. And that, that is what you're hearing about Kobe Bryant. And, and I'll just leave it at this. My last thought is, you know, the world has lost another great person too early and got to try and wait to make it a better place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think we can definitely leave it there. As far as the football's concerned, we're, we're getting close. Um, we're, we're knocking on the door of February here on January 28th, which is actually, uh, Devin, you share a birthday with my, uh, with my late grandmother, Thelma. Um, and she so, shares a birthday with me. Easy, easy. Thelma, easy. Was, uh, Thelma, Thelma was a legend. And I am legend. her Louise. Yeah, but she, nah, Babo is her Louise. And for those of you who don't easy. know Babo, none of you know who Babo is. Um, but who knows any, who Bobo anyway. is? Does Bobo know who Bobo is? Legend, legend, absolute legend. Um, I'm gonna have a doers and soda in honor of my uh, my late grandmother. Um, but right now? Anyway, not right now. No, after I play soccer later tonight. Um, let's get to the football. Occur. Let, let's. Is that that's a curse word? I have to. I, I have to. Write <laughs> you know what? It's it, it, it's funny that you call me that when you were sitting drinking like two dollar fifty cent martinis last night, basically by yourself. So you know, don't don't give me that when you were doing that. Wait, you're cracking on me for drinking by myself when it's when it's half off martini night? I wish it was two fifty. By the way, if all drinks were two fifty. I'd be a millionaire. I would have so much money and we wouldn't have to worry about this nasty little habit. Instead, I'd be super smart because everything would be cheap and I'd still be able to enjoy life. Instead, I have to intoxicate myself on a regular basis and I'm broke. You would be, you would be, you would have a little bit more money, but that money would be spent on whatever liver transplant that you would need to get. If, if drinks were 250, you'd, you'd be in trouble. You would be in serious trouble. If drinks were 250, you'd be in trouble because you'd probably never have to pay for another drink. I would just be buying everything. Hopefully, God willing. Uh, I've had some. I've, I've had a rough. I've had a rough go of it. I had a rough day on Sunday. Uh, I wish. I mean, like we talked about, you need to be able to tell these some of these stories on this podcast. My last forty-eight hours have really been incredible, and if only, if only, if only we could share some of it. Maybe I'll have a PG story one of these days that I can share. But until that moment. Um, all right, so we, we, you know, I, I'm a little disappointed with the with the FLMs, um, with with our response in terms of you know what we're feeling for questions this week. We got a few. We definitely can talk about some. But if you're if you're not going to answer our tweets and you're not going to say what you want to to hear and you you want to tell us what we're doing, we're just going to come up with our own. <laughs> and you're going to have to deal with it. So yeah, f- you. We yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> no no none of that none of that. We love all of you. Okay. So, I mean, we can continue to talk transfers. 
I think this is a this is one of the more shocking moves in terms of systems, where he's at in his career and the location that he's going to. And that's Mr. Dane Kelly. Uh, Dane Kelly coming. heading over to the Charlotte Independence. You knew that was obviously was coming. What do you think? I'm not going to talk about Dane Kelly. Like you, dude. Oh. I'm going to talk about Dane Kelly. There you go. Oh. Um, so Dane Kelly, of course, who spent last year with Indy 11, the year before that, he was with DC United slash Richmond Kickers. And in 2017, he broke all sorts of records with Reno 1868 in their inaugural season. Before that, it was Soul Park Rangers, a couple of years of the Charleston Battery, a few years of the Charleston Battery, including Tivoli Gardens over in Jamaica. I, I want to start here in terms of the system. And somebody posed the question to you, Devin, um, you know, like, what is this going to change the way that Mike Jeffries goes about attacking a 90 minutes? My only response to that initially is yes. Like, you know, we, we know Mike to be very pragmatic and, you know, he wants to have the ball. They really want to spread the field. I mean, center backs on the edge of the 18-yard box and they're outside back. They're pushed all the way up. This is what we saw and what made them so successful in 2017 before the run was cut short by the Rochester Rhinos, rest in peace, um, in, in an overtime uh, winner, extra time winner. If you can tell me the person who scored the goal, Devin, then I will buy you your next martini. We were on the call for the game, by the way. No, and you've, you've posed this question to me before, and I got it wrong that time, too. And it's a person's yeah. name that I don't remember. I would He's say give me a second to think, but I'm not going to remember. Go ahead, give, me, give me a hint. Is he American? Mm, no. He's not American? Wait, 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 wait. No, he's American. He's American. Is he white? Is he Latin? <laughs> Is he black? I need I need a hint. <laughs> he's from Guilford, New Hampshire. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm assuming he's super white then. Um, wow, man. I remember, it, like, he had, like, I feel like when you told me this last time, he had some, I feel like his last name sounded German to me. It was. It is. I mean, it is. And he's also the assistant coach in Northeastern. Don't you dare look this up right now. I won't know who that is. Um, I remember uh, Groff scored the opener. Groff scored the opener, and I remember Enzo. Wait, Groff scored the opener. Enzo scored the tire. Off a beautiful backfield from Jaime Siat. Oh, that was that was what ended the drought, like 300 minutes or 200 minutes, whatever it was. Yeah, because they 400 they plus like minutes they hadn't scored. Five, they lost their last five of 2017. It was something heinous. They were locked into a home game and they lost like oh, five or six in a row and they dropped and they dropped to a five seed. They were really good in 2017. Enzo Martinez, like, if it wasn't for Dane Kelly, should have been MVP. Didn't someone got thrown out in that game? I remember. Um, yes, it, uh, I know exactly who it is. Oh my god! It was one of the members well, I mean, of Brothers it, Martinez. Well, I was going to say, if 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 if, it, yeah. if Enzo Martinez scored and, and they lost, it was probably Alex Martinez, I'm guessing, right? <laughs> I think. Am I, am I right? Alex, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> um, I don't know who it is. Tell me. Stefan DeFregger. DeFregger. It is DeFregger. Oh, my goodness. DeFregger. And I knew it. Dude, the, I got it. Dude, with the, like, with the hints you gave me, I was like, man, I, I know you told me this last time. His name, it's going to sound weird. It's going to sound familiar. Well played. Yeah. So, with all that said, as we dig into that rabbit hole that is uh, the Sportsplex at Matthews, or actually that game was played at Capella Sports Stadium, um, like, they were very, very good in 2017, but they had the likes of June Marquez Davidson. They had a rookie in Lewis Hilton who was running the show in the middle of the park. There's still, 
in my opinion, there's still maybe one, perhaps two pieces away from actually being a, not a contender in the Eastern Conference, but at least being competitive. Because they just I, they just weren't all that competitive last year, and that was because you had Jim McGinnis, then you had Mike Jeffrey. Jeffrey should have been the coach all along. I, I still to this day we're not exactly sure how that whole thing went down, but um, I'm excited at what this Charlotte team is going to bring to the table because I do think that Mike Jeffrey's, you know, they're going to start to be a bit more direct. Is is my guess and. As much as you want to keep the ball and tiki-taka and everything like that, it is a brand new world. Look what Liverpool is doing. I mean, yeah, they're going to have 70% possession against the Watfords and the, and the Bournemouths and the, and the Burnleys of the world. But, you know, in games where they're going to be, especially in knockout rounds of Champions League, in games where they're going to be on the road and they're going to have to absorb pressure, they're okay being direct. They're, they're the best team in the world at doing it right now. But that's the way that this world is shifting. And it started with Leicester City back in 2016. And they showed you what they can do in being direct. And I think a lot of teams and a lot of managers and a lot of football minds in this country are starting to shift their, that direction. And Mike Jeffries is, is now going to do that as well. Do you agree or disagree? I agree with you. Um, I, I think one of the things you have to think about is what we know for that team right now is pretty finite in terms of the roster. If I'm not mistaken, I think they officially have like 11 players rostered. Actually, I just found it. Here you go. Enzo, Dane Kelly, Jake Garman, uh, come on, George, Sabella, uh, the, the French player that came over junior at two, Oscar Ramsey, Clay Dimmick, Joel Johnson, Roberts, Casey Penland, Brandon Miller, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, carry the one, twelve. Twelve players rostered right now. Um, hey, you can, we, you we can, can win a game with that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they had it not, last Not year. many they games. Did. You can win a game. <laughs> um, yes, more direct. Um, the question is for Junior S2, that's the French player that came over. Can he bridge some of that gap that you're talking about? One of the reasons they got themselves in trouble last year wasn't just the system. Um, it wasn't just McGinnis. It was there was no identity, right? So now if you're yeah. going to say your identity is we're going to open things up and go direct, that's great. When these long balls start flying over the top to Dane Kelly, diagonal or not, when he steps, the whole team's got to go. That's not something that regularly you saw from the Charlotte Independents. That means they're going to have to play a higher line. That doesn't mean that they're pressing and repressing. That just means they're going to have to move their butts off the back line a bit quicker. That starts with Brandon Miller at the back. You have guys in Joel Johnson and who Roberts that can do it. I thought Roberts got better as the year went on. Still think he can do a lot of very good things. But guys like that with the speed, they're going to have to pull that back line with them. George can be in there with you. Etu can give you a little bit. Obviously, Valentin Sabella, we saw what he did in the Open Cup. We saw some glimpses last year. Where does his progression continue as a pro? Jake Armand can do that. So the pieces are showing you that. Also realize with Kelly, one of the reasons he got himself into trouble last year, not necessarily his fault. It was a system thing in Indy 11, was there was too much separation between he and Tyler Pasher up top. They did not work in unison enough. Enzo Martinez is different. He carries an IQ, in my personal opinion, that's higher than Tyler Pasher. Now, they're very different players, but Enzo can fill those gaps. The question is, does Enzo have the engine at his age to keep going and to compete with that pace? When everybody starts to go, is Enzo the piece that, when he's been in his best under Mike Jeffries and anywhere, to be honest, with the Rapids as well, are they just going to let him float? Because if they are... I actually like a 4-3-3 system sitting for this team better than a 4-2-3-1. Because Enzo, as the lone 10, if Enzo doesn't step as the 10, you're in trouble. If you invert the boys in the middle and sit with 1-6, someone who can play an 8-10 and allow Enzo to flow side to side, you get a midfielder that can play off of him 
I think that's watch out because now you've got the guys on the wings flying. You can push your outside backs and supplement. Naturally, that progression helps you in a 4-3-3 for this team where it forces you to take that step and you're not relying on individuals in specific positions. So two things on that. Number one, I mean, if, happy like, birthday. Just, Thank you. That, you're welcome. Um, <laughs> like I just remember Enzo in 2017, like, yes, it was Jorge at the top of it, but Enzo made the press go like he, yep. he was the trigger. He was 27. He was a, he was a sprightly 27 at the peak of his career, back to back, you know, finalist MVP season. He was a baller. Still is a baller, but we, we need to see more of it. Um, the leg thing is a big question for me. Joel Johnson, what does he let, have left in the tank? Your outside backs have to be good in this modern, in this modern game. They have to be. And they have to be dynamic. They have to be two-way players. Does Joel Johnson have the legs anymore? I don't know. The other thing is that, you know, you mentioned the Dane Kelly thing and it's a system. It is, it is hard to score goals in the Eastern Conference. They are hard to come by. And, and I, as, as much credit as we gave Cameron Lancaster a couple of years ago for what he did, it is that much more impressive. See, now having going to be in the fourth year of the USL calling game for them, it is beyond impressive what he was able to do in an Eastern Conference, which is so much more compact and so much more difficult to break teams down than the West. Like, it, it's just hard for guys to score goals, and especially when they're at the tail end of their career. So it's just not, it just shouldn't be surprising to anybody that this has been going down. Uh, another big transfer that I saw, Ish Jome to Austin. That's a good pickup. I like that. I think Ish Jome um, in Colorado Springs is being held back a little bit, and I think under Marcelo Serrano, uh, that's going to be a good fit. And I think Ish Jome is going to do good things. I think Austin Bolden is going to be decent again this year. I really do. And they were – listen, if Diego Restrepo keeps out that penalty, oh, who took that awful penalty from Phoenix that just snuck underneath the – was it Ben Spencer? I think it was. I didn't even realize. I didn't even realize he played in that game. <laughs> yeah, he played in that game. He was brought on. Like that was the worst <laughs> penalty ever. And, and Restrepo stayed down the middle and could not get down in time. And it gave Phoenix life, and they end up going on to the conference semifinal. But well, like, I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a heads up with Restrepo right now. I've seen him recently. He's down in. He was down in South Florida training with one of my guys. I saw him, and the conversation that I had with the trainer, I would just said. Maybe you guys need to work on fitness a little bit more. Because <laughs> he did not look sprightly, we'll say. He can he can come to the Tyler Tone School of Fitness because you get I got three weeks and I and I was I was asking questions at the Phoenix Rising FC Open tryout. So Diego, I'm more than happy to, to field any questions you might have when it comes to trimming trimming some lbs down. Um, all right, anything? Okay, another question that we had, and you know, it's not really a question. It's just sort of like a it's almost like a therapy session for USL championship. Um, and yes, I do have an under undergraduate degree. A bachelor's in um, in psychology, so this is for free. This is pro bono. Makes one of us. Um, you know, the the question is, what do you say to people who are sort of like disparaging USL championships, saying it's minor league and everything like that? And I think it came from from Kevin Gates over over in Phoenix, and I love Kevin to death. And yeah, it's, it's a you know, it's a fair question and everything, but you know, lions don't concern themselves with sheep. And anybody who's going to go ahead and say that about the USL championship just doesn't know what goes on. Just doesn't know what goes on. I mean, go and take a look at what went on with FC Cincinnati in 2017. Go take a look at what Phoenix Rising looks like on a daily basis. Go take a look at the Brickyard Battalion and what Indy 11 brings to the field. Go take a look at the Coopers and Scouse's House in Louisville City. Go take a look at Wasatch Legion. I mean, like, 
there's so much passion in, for this game, and, and there's so many teams. There's such a big country. Like, it, it, it's there. And anybody who's going to go ahead and say it's a minor league, yes, it's a minor league, but with the exception of, you know, the two teams and everything like that, and, I, and I'm going to go on a rant about that later on in the show because I'm pissed off at, at a couple of the teams for changing to Sporting Kansas City to Philadelphia Union to because I thought we were making progress with the Tacoma Defiance and Soul Park Rangers and everything, but apparently not. Um uh, like, there's no need to, to be worried about that. There's no need to be concerned about that. And I'll tell you what, you know, after my conversation and interview with Jake Edwards and Landon Donovan at halftime with promotion relegation right around the corner, this, this, you know, this whole minor league bullshit that people are throwing around, that ain't going to be left for, around for long because this might this might be the entity within professional soccer in, the, in this country very, very soon. So don't don't concern yourself with that type, type of negativity. Nobody needs it. And anybody who's in this league, and for Devin and I who cover this league on a regular basis, we know it's not minor league. Yeah, it's not top division, but it, we are what we are. We're second division in the United States. And you know what? We're damn proud of it. And that's why it's like, and, and we make the most out of it. And and this, this league has been on the up and up since 2017. I mean, everybody has come so far in this league since 2017. Um, including Devin and myself from a commentator standpoint. If you go back and listen to some of our calls in 2017, I don't know if you'd recognize either one of us, but um, I don't know. That's that's what I have to say on that question or therapy session. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Um, oh, my God, 2017. That was single Devin. That was pre-engagement, pre-marriage, pre-child Devin. You were not single. You were not single. You were in a long She didn't have a ring on it. She didn't have a ring on it. God, you were so much more fun back then. I was so much more fun than that. I drank a lot less. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. That's not true. Not true. I got to be honest. I'll say this. I agree with about 90% of what you said. I do disagree with some of it. I think that... What do you, what do you got? I think that the... I agree with the fact that you have to think that way. I think the image people people have who aren't involved with the league, I think some of what they, they say is warranted. When you get things like what goes on in Vegas with some stuff, when you get things with the Charleston Battery or with Colorado Springs where you can't travel players and stuff like that. I, I, the gimmicky stuff, I get it. I get the minor league references. Um, do I think it's the right wording to use? No, but I understand it. You know, without naming names, you and I are on the broadcasting side of things, and you and I have had conversations about way things have gone down with certain areas and go, that's why people call it a minor league league. Um, I don't agree with the verbiage. It's the second division right now. I do agree with you that with the way perception is for the leagues in the United States, could this eventually overtake MLS? Yes. Um, would I put a bet on it? A small one, yeah. I think like it aligns Birmingham itself Legion, better. Birmingham Legion top four bet, like something along those lines. Thank you. It's my birthday. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, did, you, did you play? I, up by that? I, no, remember because I lost another bet and then I won it back on. I lost the second bet after that. Remember? Yeah, yeah, and then I won another one on something like a double or nothing. I just kept yeah, doubling going. down. Yeah, um, people are only going to take you as seriously as you you make yourself. So when Las Vegas Lights have swimming pools sitting on the side of the the field, that's a gimmick usually reserved for minor league baseball teams. I get the reference there. Um, when you have guys like Steve Trichu on a baseball field, guys like Steve Trichu who is now in St. Louis who literally did not have the budget to travel enough players where if guys would have gotten hurt or sick, he couldn't field the team. That's minor league crap. I get that kind of stuff. Um, I think that the strides are being taken to rid itself of that. It's probably the best way to say it. Because I do think, it, it, look, 
it's not like, a, a few bad eggs don't make the whole thing rotten, right? Like you can't group Louisville yeah. in with situations like that. You can't group Indian, Phoenix, even when you go into two teams or affiliates, whether it be a Reno or an S2, like, sorry, Tacoma Defiance. Um, it, everybody gets out of it what they put in. Singular entities want to do things differently than the two teams. There's nothing wrong with that. And I think that everybody uses it as a springboard or a catapult for something. Some people execute a lot better. That stuff will weed itself out over time because, honestly, I'm just not going to talk about it on air. <laughs> no, and, and, and I do think you're right. And, uh, listen, I, it, is, it, it is a mentality that we all need to have, but at the same time, it's what you put into it. And, yes, there have been a number of times this year where, or in the past three years where sometimes I'm, like, scratching my head. I'm like, really? Like, that's what we're doing? But, Get to the chopper! Get to the chopper! Oh, what, a, what a day that was for you and I. That was a long the day. Final, the first time. I think. What is that? What's going on? Uh, what was that noise? What was that noise? That was on your end. Uh, it wasn't me. You sure about that? I'm, there's, not, there's no one over here. There's ghosts. There's ghosts. Uh, What's next? Let's, I want to hear it. Oh, you know what? Since we're on the two topics, talk about the rant on the two teams. I want to hear it. Where do I begin? I mean, listen, this this is perfect, though, because because we're talking about, uh, you know, like how some people view it as a minor league. You know, it's second division. It's not a minor league. This is not a feeder league. And as much as, you know, we've had people above us tell us that we can't refer to it as such. How can we look ourselves in the mirror and not refer to it as that? If we have teams now in the whatever is year of the USL existing and taking strides towards potential promotion relegation, players being sold to Major League Soccer for, you know, for six figures and, and making all these strides in so many different areas. And then we regress and change something like the Bethlehem Steel to Philadelphia Union to we regress in, in calling Swole Park Rangers Sporting Kansas City too. We still haven't found another name for New York Rebels too. You know, like Tacoma Defiance changes their name from S2 to, to Tacoma. But, like, what, what, how how can we honestly look at ourselves in the mirror and say we're doing everything we can to rid that stigma if that's happening now? There, there's, a, there's a giant piece of information that I'm leaving out here, and, and you know, it was reported on, I believe it was by Jeff Reuter, uh, you know, a number of months ago, that, that teams potentially are going to be mandated, you know, the, the two teams are going to be mandated to go down to USL League One at some point in time. Again, how are you going to be able to convince New York Rebels 2 and the Monarchs and teams that have had the same success of doing that? You'll never be able to convince me of that. Like, I don't know how that's going to happen, but uh, we can't we can't do this. It does not look good. If if there is a great goal on on social media that goes viral on four three three or whatever it is, and it's being shown that they're playing Sporting Kansas City two or Philadelphia Union two, and people are like, "Wow, what's the USL? That goal is great. There's a lot of great quality on this." Oh, hold on a second. What that? Oh, it's a reserve. What? Like that's that's the crap that like we need to get rid of that stigma. And if you're gonna have these, if you're gonna have two attached to the name, or you're gonna have OCB attached to the name, or whatever it might be, you make it. It doesn't look good. It just does not look good. And I understand that they're, you know, for Bethlehem it's a different situation because they're not in Bethlehem anymore. I understand that. But could we have found a different name? The Chester Chesterfields. I don't know something like something anything different than what the f- they just call themselves because it just. Now you're playing in an empty talent energy stadium and you call yourself a two team. 
I just, I don't get it. I, what are we doing? What are we doing? In the words of Taylor Twelman, what are we doing? You done? You, you pissed me off. You really pissed me off. I pissed you off. You pissed me off. You, you, you made me do it. You made me do it. What the f*** did I do? You're just sitting there with your birthday and your, you know, your bullshit. Just go ahead. What, you, what if I told you I was in my birthday suit having a birthday beer? <laughs> how, all right. Give me like a percentage of how clothed you are right now. I'm fully clothed. I was just, it was a hypothetical. I've got on a Nike top, Nike shorts. I, all right, I didn't ask but, what you're wearing. I just want a percentage. Like I'm not, you know, this isn't fully clothed. Yeah, I have on a shirt, shirt, shorts, watch, hat, sock, shoes. Service. No shoes, no <laughs> shoes, no shirt. Toronto's got a problem. Um. It's something that, look, look, I, it's working, look, ugh, how do I say this? It's working backwards, right? I think that it's easy for people to look elsewhere in the world and try and model it. I don't fault them for that. I do also think the United States is different, and it's okay to have your own identity in certain areas, but I mean, there's a reason why England, Germany, Spain, France, like they get all that correct. Um, I, I can give you an example of how, what I experienced it in terms of one and two teams getting the opportunity to play with Alton and Andrasic in the Regional Liga and then Hamburg in the 2008-2009 end of 2009 years I ran into a situation where I was actually before I moved to Hamburg I was in a game or in a tournament called the Cruel Cup and the Cruel Cup I think it was spelled like K-R-U-L-L or something I don't know Remind me to bring you that pamphlet one day. You'll like die of who was in it. It's crazy. Um, but the like the tournament program. Mm-hmm. Hamburg. The the reason I got matched up with Hamburg was HSB two Hostel, which is Hamburg. Their second team was playing, and the way that the way that it works in Germany, I'm sticking to that because that's what I know the best outside of the Premier League. Um, the way that it works in Germany is you can't have a second team. <clears throat> excuse me, in the same league or even within one division of you. So prior to Hamburg embarrassing themselves two seasons ago and dropping down um, to Zweiliga, when they're in the Bundesliga, you can't have, if HSV2 would have won third division, they couldn't move into second division. Now, there are other precursors for you to take that jump. Stadium has to be a certain size. You have to be able to accommodate things. If you win third division, you don't just get to jump to second. But just like in Germany, we have it here in America, there are freestanding teams like if Charleston Battery won and they got the ability to jump into MLS or if Philadelphia Union 2, formerly Bethlehem Steel, if they won, they couldn't jump up. Mandating them to go down to the third, I don't disagree with in terms of that specific analogy. The problem is, is the level of play. And I'm with you on that. You can't tell John Wolinak and those boys who can run circles around a lot of teams in the USL Championship to go beat up on the 12-year-olds in, in League 1. And make no mistake about it, in a lot of situations, it is really young kids. North Texas, that would be men versus boys, regardless of skill level. Yes, some of those kids can jump up and take a shot with the Dallas Burn. There is a reason that they are with North Texas in League One. Wait, did you just say the Dallas Burn? <laughs> oh, my God, did I just say, sorry, Dallas Burn. Yeah, I mean, that's a, there, there's, my, there's my age showing, bro. FC Dallas, sorry. Well, good catch. You're welcome. Shout out to Dallas Burn. We need more Dallas Burns in the world. Um, that's so funny. But you also got me because when we were coming into the show, FLM, 
Football Love and Maniacs, by the way, we now have this thing, Tyler and I, where every single call, conference call we come on to, or when we're coming into the bridge to set up our recording, we say players from like early MLS. <laughs> and like to come on today, Tyler had Josh Wolf. He also had Brian McBride. I had Carlos Valderrama. Stevie um, Ralston was my shout out earlier on our conference call. So that gives you an idea where my head's at. So there's a reason they don't play with SC Dallas, right? Now, Pepe getting a nod, like, yes, a, a teenager getting a nod in a men's program, I understand. One. There is a reason of, not all of them, of them. One of them. Yeah, there's a reason yeah. not all of them are there. I ran into that situation when, when Mesut Ozil made the move from Schalke to Bremen in, like, 08, 09. I played against him in the Cool Cup. There's video of it. I'll show it to you. It's hilarious. He absolutely embarrasses me. But I can promise you this. They weren't going to tell Bremen that – um, like when he went to the second team, if if they were going to make that team go further, they weren't going to let Mesut Ozil go play in fourth or fifth division. Now, they're saying, oh, how is that relevant? Well, if they're in third, if the second team was in the third and they were going to make him drop to the fourth, the same thing would happen here. Now, mind you, in the way that you play, you can also get knocked down. So promotion relegation, like, yeah, Berta Bremen, too, could drop into the fourth division, but they're not going to let him go play in it. So it's like, guys, that were making regular repetitions on New York Red Bull, they're not going to go make them play in League One. It's not going to serve them any purpose. 22-year-olds coming out of college that are top prospects. Do you think Inter-Miami, who now – Dylan Neal has done Inter-Miami now, right? Yes. You think they're going to yeah. let him go play on the League One team? No. Absolutely not. Ab- absolutely not. Absolutely not. Do you think Robbie Robinson from Clemson is going to go play an Inter-Miami League One team? Absolutely not. He might as well go play in Gold Coast League on Sunday football because at least he'll get beat up by a bunch of men. So the problem is, and again, we have college to evolve with. There are so many moving pieces. The names are all over the place. It's hard because I honestly think, Tyler, it's just going to be a lot of us chasing our tail for a long period of time because at the end of the day, in the United States, what is it all about? Money. It's about money, man. It's about money, man. And, and, and they can't get out of each other's way. You know, again, I'm not saying this is the right way by any means, but this shows you the pride when Germany restructured all of their stuff. Not saying we need to do that. I want to be very clear here. I am not saying we need to do that. But when Germany said this is about the greater good of the product coming out of the country and they restructured everything to push it to the national team, things changed. Things got better. Things got better from. Regensburg in the third division to Bayern Munich in the first division. Guys winning um, the DFB Cup, the guys winning Champions League, to the World Cup team. Everything got better. If we could focus all of our attentions, not our country, but if we could all agree on something and focus it on that, there's no doubt in my mind that this country could be more successful. And I don't, I mean, listen, I don't, I don't disagree with anything that you just said. Oh, my dear. I, I just, I mean, I, I just want a beer. I want a beer. Um, uh, 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 I, just, <laughs> I don't know. For me, for me, I just think that there's so many other good strides and steps being taken, and doing that progresses it. However, with the direction that Bethlehem Steel went last year, um, and starting to play an incredible amount of, of young players, and just sort of doing that whole thing. You're going to call yourself Philadelphia Union 2 and you're going to be down in League 1 in a year. You might as well start the rebrand now. But, like, it just makes – it just 
it just is, is hindering everybody else's growth. You're stunting everybody else's growth. It's like, you know, if I, you know, it's like if in the preparation for my Phoenix rising tryout, you know, I was, I was getting two days in, um, I was running every single day. I was lifting, but I was putting in my body and I just wasn't, eating I gotta say something. I gotta say something. I gotta, I gotta step in. I gotta cut you off. I'm sorry. If it's, it's easier for us to say, you can't set New York Red Bulls two down than it is for us to say, you can't, or excuse me, it's easier for us to say you can send down Tacoma Defiance and Bethlehem Steel, now Philadelphia Union 2, than it is for us to say New York Red Bulls 2 has to go down, correct? Yes. Do you have a problem with Philadelphia Union 2? I'm calling them Bethlehem Steel. Um, do you have a problem? <laughs> do you have a problem with them going that direction or with S2? But I'm not calling them to come to my Do you have a problem with them going that direction? Because here's why. Here's what it does do. It does make kids, and I say kids because they are, it they does are. make you, it, they are, it does make you push yourself to go to another level. What it's going to do is push the competition. Agree with it or not, it does. Because guys that are 17, 18 years old, you're not fighting for you're not fighting for a shot to get the second division. You're fighting for a shot to get to the first team. Because here's what's going to happen: you got to knock someone off in front of you who's currently holding that spot, or you got to knock someone else out to break into the 23, to break into the 18, to break into the first team squad, or you're fighting against the club bringing in someone from the offseason in the transfer window. So you're saying that the path is easier if, if they stay where they are in the championship. I'm not saying the path is easier. I'm saying the path is different. I'm it saying is. that I'm saying that if you have guys jumping from an academy team, it's just different. It, it, it's just different. I, I think that, they, look, that you could it argue is the, it is the academy team. It is, but that's okay. no, 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 no. Wait, wait, hold no. on, hold on. Let me explain. No, no, no. Let me. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. I know what you're going to say. Trace, quit eating the I, goddamn grass, bro. Get inside. Sorry, go ahead. Um, like our conversation, our conversation with Brendan Burke, like, you know, he was telling us that, you know, if you're going to take all of these kids, if you're going to take these 16, 17 year olds and you're going to throw all of them down in league one and they're all going to be in the same place, it's the same thing as having them. Like, it's the same thing as that. It's just the academy kids. All the academy kids are just playing against each other now. That's like, that's what I'm saying is that, you know, like if you're going to have those kids and they're going to be in the USL championship, at least if they're in the championship, then they're they're getting the proper exposure, and it's and it's very much sink or swim, very much so. And I, I don't even like I don't even know where we're at this point, where we're at at this point in time with the argument, but like there, there's there's such a confusion as to where where that middle ground, the kids who are really really good, the, you know, the top one percent of the academy kids who you know are going to be playing professional soccer. It's just a matter of what level. Is it better than, for them to be around their own kind and to just be around other academy kids in League One with maybe some older guys? You know, because there are some older guys in League One who have performed really well and are and are sort of, you know, like Kevin Paulitz, who's now with um, now with Hartford. Like that's a guy who's a bit older in his career. He's not an academy kid by any stretch of the imagination. He's played in second division before. But, you know, like, sprinkle those guys in, and it's a decent experience. But if you throw them into the championship, they either get their asses kicked in or they're going to fight, and, and they're going to make a name for themselves, like a Brendan Aaron. Which one, which one is more beneficial? I think you could argue it either way. Um, I think that, again, this is, where, this is where I'm at fault because my mind jumps a certain direction. If, if I run through the tiers of football, 
in another country, they don't have the same problem because our problems here are different. <laughs> They're what they deal with, but more. So it's, it's apples and oranges. We can make analogies. We can make references. We can say whatever the hell we want. But, but see, at the end of the no, day, I don't you, think there is a right answer. No, I don't. I'm not saying what works for you doesn't necessarily no, works for me. Obviously, what's going no, on I at don't. FC Dallas, Dallas Burn, shout out. Obviously, what's going on at FC Dallas. <laughs> I can't even. I'm just going to start naming old teams now. Obviously, what yeah. goes on at FC Dallas in terms of development at the youth level is better. We can agree on that compared to other teams in the United States, right? They have consistently had one of the best academies in the country, bar none. Yes. And not only, but not only best academies, they're now, their tree is bearing the fruits of their labors. Those kids are now, kids are pushing themselves into the first team. They're pushing themselves into the 18 and 23. They're pushing themselves into the freaking national team. Yep. Like they're, they're, they're doing it. So, That's the McKinney, so, baby. Are they, so, so are they wrong for pushing kids into a professional environment at a young age when you have Pepe who's 16, 17, 18, and all of a sudden he gets a shot with the first team? Is that wrong of them? And even though they're playing other kids around them that are 17, 18, 19 years old, compared to Bethlehem Steel, f*** it, it's Bethlehem Steel, f*** you, Philadelphia Union 2, just kidding. Um, is it wrong? Is it wrong for them to do what they're doing when they have Austin Trusty who comes down to get a rehab game and Brendan Aronson is running the 10, even though he's regularly making appearances in the first team? And, oh, by the way, we had James Chambers next to him. Is it wrong? Because both teams got results. They just got it in different ways. So here, okay. So here's here. We need to wrap this up because our producer Alex has been uh, has been all over. You've never done that in your entire life. No, I know. Uh, (laughs) Okay, my like the the thing is is that I I think that the big thing that we're forgetting is different for everybody else, and that you're seeing different results being yielded in different ways is because like the amount of talent in this country. Just because soccer is not one of the top, you know, it's not one of the top two sports that the majority of youth. Kids, I'm not talking about five, six, seven years old. I'm talking about, you know, eight through 14, those really formative years. I, I just think that there's limited amount of, of, of proper technical advisors, coaches, and, and trainers to be able to get the most out of these kids. Like, like, yeah, like everything that, you know, Philadelphia Union 2 wants to do is great or everything that Tacoma wants to do is great. But like, are, are they're, they're not producing results in the USL championship. Like, is there, like, and that's, and that's my thing is that I think that each club needs to do what's best for them based and they need to take a hard look at the mirror and say, where do our strengths lie? Is it with the first team? Do we have a really good first team, but our academy is struggling? Okay. Does that mean then that maybe we should be in league one because our academy kids and the coaches that we have down there, they're not going to be able to survive in USL championship because that's where the big boys are. Okay. We'll go down to league one, New York rebels too. We have a great academy. We have a great first team. We succeed basically at every level. We can do whatever the f- we want. Or, you know, like FC Dallas, you know, like we have a, we have a good academy, but the kids are really, really young. We're not going to be able to attract some of the older talent. We'll stay in League One and we'll grow them there and then they can make the jump because we have that much confidence in how, and how good the training sessions are. And they're going to be right next door to the first team and they can train with them sometime. Like each situation is different and there's such a, I, this country is so big and there's, you know, there's so many people, but there's still a shortage of, of talent, whether it be brain or whether it be on the field. And I think that's where it gets lost. And you see teams trying to emulate each other in some sort of way, but they don't have the tools necessary to do so. And I think that's where it gets lost. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think also that we agree that you, you can't, we agree that you're saying you can't force someone down is what you're saying, correct? Uh, can you force Tacoma down? Say, so what's the difference? Okay, and I'm not disagreeing with you, but what's your argument of forcing Tacoma down compared to New York Red Bull too? 
I mean, the, 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 the force is that clearly the model that Tacoma has is more in line with what goes on in League One as opposed to what goes on in the championship. Okay, so my question to you is, what about if in terms of development, their academy starts to continue forward, they get better and better just like FC Dallas, and the next thing you know, their kids, which is where we need this country to go, their kids that are 16, 17, 18 years old, who are now in League One, are smoking everyone, beating the crap out of everyone, which is basically what happened with F- with um, with North Texas. North Texas in League One last year, where they ended up playing a bunch of kids that coming out of college, maybe one or two years pro, even a couple guys that had four or five years under their belt, and they played them in the final, and they beat them. So what about if they start to continue to push their level so high that they're, them being in League One no longer means anything? Then what? I'm not disagreeing with you, by the way. I'm just, know, this know, isn't an argument. I'm then, posing then, a question. Then what? Then you can take some of the really, really good players that are clearly a, a cut above the rest, and you can start to loan them out to, to individual, you know, to clubs. And you can start to loan them to an Indy 11, to a Phoenix Rising, to independent clubs that have had a history of being able to take care of talent, foster it, and, and, and go from there. I think that that, I think that that's what it needs to be. That, you know, the, the kid, you know, the really, really good ones go get the minutes somehow at USL championships, strike a deal. You know, GMs need to just be talking to each other. And it's, listen, you know, like it's not as much about, you know, we want him to score goals in a North Texas uniform. We want him to score goals in a Tacoma Defiance uniform and be under the Sounders name. We just want this kid to get better so he can then come to our first team at some point in time. And then everybody reaps the benefits. The independent team in the U.S. Stay with me. Stay with me. I got to interrupt you. I got to interrupt you. And I think it's a great idea. It's a great idea, and I don't disagree. I can tell you this firsthand. Firsthand. This is from John Hackworth himself. He said I could talk about this. He and I were talking about a player who I can't talk about that may or may not be coming in. The issue he's running into right now, because that player, in terms of development, has the capability at his age to play at a much higher level. The problem is, is if, let's say, let's say that, that situation you were just talking about and someone's going on loan. If I'm a player who's above the academy system, I played so well, and now I get the chance. I'm, I'm, this is a hypothetical, people, so just take it with me. Although there is a, a real player involved, I'm going to remove it and just say it's me as an example. If I have moved myself through the FC Dallas system so much that I'm 15 or 16 years old, I'm playing holding midfielder or center back, whatever the hell it is you want me to play, and I have now pushed myself past North Texas, I'm better than it. I showed myself I can't get any better at that level or with those kids, and I need to be playing, but I can't play with my MLS team yet. And I get loaned out to a team, whether it's for one year, whether it's for 15 matches, or if it's for a longer one, where maybe it's a year and an option and they take it up for two years. The financial agreements that are unable to be made in this country because of the morons that need so much money and can't figure shit out in the back office are the exact reason why we are where we're at. John Hackworth said the same thing to me. He said, listen, I'm working on someone right now. He talked to me about it. He walks me through it. And he goes, we just can't figure out an agreement that if he comes here and I take this kid for 34 games, they're doing something. The whole point is for him to get better and continue playing. So if he goes to Lou City, that's not just John Hackworth. That's not just the players on the field. That's Brad Estes. That's the ownership group. That's James O'Connor. That means something. And that return is where people get greedy who own the rights to these kids and they can't reach an agreement with the people that are taking care of their assets when they go somewhere else. I'm done. I, I, you know what? It's, it's, it's funny because I was literally about to go in that direction, but I'm glad that you brought up that story because it's just much more relevant and it's actually real. But I mean, that's, and I think that that's where the crux of the issue lies is that when you get into these homegrown contracts and you get into these clubs and, and the fact that, you know, 
when it comes to, you know, players, you know, the fact that money goes to Major League Soccer on a transfer fee is the most obscene thing. The most By the way, obscene thing. By the way, those, those homegrown contracts, watch how everything changes in the next couple of years. These boundaries and everything, this is going to get blown up and it's going to be the men. It's going to be the men and the women. I, I, I say that term loosely. I don't, I didn't mean that disrespectfully. It's going to be the strong people is the word I'll use. The strong people that go out, that take all of your resources, learn to scout. You no longer are going to have the luxury, my friends, of getting what's in your backyard. You got to go out and you got to scout players and you got to develop those players. Just because someone was born in New York, New York Red Bull 2, doesn't mean he's your player. Because I can promise you this right now, in theory, my territory would be St. Louis. If I don't want to play for St. Louis, I'm not playing for St. Louis. I'm going to go play where I want to play where someone that recruits me, who's going to treat, take me well as a person, push me to another level, and as a player, push me up. And, oh, by the way, pay me. Just because I live in the area doesn't mean you own me. Remember that. I, I agree. Preach. Preaching to the choir. All right. Let's cut it off there. I really enjoyed this conversation today, actually. It got me fired up. I'm really, you, know, I know. you You talk about you know the impeachment trials right now. This is, this is hotter than the impeachment trials. Because somebody's got to go on trial at MLS. Somebody's got to do it. And I want to I want to be the judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, I trialed this right, shit. Mr. I this out of this tail oil, by the way. There you go. <laughs> Love that. Um, just briefly, you know, I don't want to do any, you know, too much cross-promoting or anything like that, but Devin and I, I don't know if you guys have heard, are hosting a new show called Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League Show, just simply the FCCL show, every Monday and Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And Devin and I, for 30 to 40 minutes, will just simply break down matchups and um, different topics within within the competition and stuff like that. Right now, the tournament has started. The first play date is actually February 18th. So leading up to that, we're just going to preview each matchup. This Friday, we're going to preview Club León and LAFC, by far the best matchup in the round of 16. We're getting interviews. We just interviewed Evan Bush from the Montreal Impact. We're getting John Arnold, who's the uh, Mexico correspondent for The Athletic. And we're going to get awesome interviews. Hopefully, we're going to get Thierry Henry on at some point. And we're going to I mean, we're just going to blow this thing up, baby. But this is a really good opportunity for some of you guys to see how broken Major League Soccer is and what our neighbors to the south look like when you just have an open market and you just let guys and you just let guys play. You let clubs fold that can't afford it. And the ones that are going to put resources into it, they reap the benefits of that. So you can literally see how these MLS sides stack up against League MX and what it looks like tactically and what the money will get you and or what it won't get you. Mr. Kerr, anything to say on that? Totally agree. Two episodes in a row. We are in another dimension. I don't know what's happening. God bless. All right. Everybody wish Devin Kerr a happy birthday on social media when this episode gets released probably tomorrow, maybe Thursday or whenever you might hear it. Um, Have an excellent rest of the week. Have a lovely weekend. We love you, football. Love you, maniac. Peace.